Hi, this is Bobby Ryan of the Detroit Red Wings, and you are listening to Empty Betters with Nick, Mack, and Harrison. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 67 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Schultz. I'm going to toss it across the screen to my co-host, Nick Manella. How are we doing, buddy? Best week of the year. <laughs> We're in for a good weekend, eh? Yep. It is finally here. They robbed us of it last year, and Sparty got absolutely robbed of it the year before that, but it's March Madness. My favorite sporting event, like single sporting event of all time. So I cannot wait for these first four days where there's basketball on from noon Eastern time to like midnight Eastern time. I am going to be unavailable for the next seven to 10 business days. So (laughs) do not call, do not text and do not expect a response from me. You got the uh, the Sparty hat on so I can see your, your, yeah, okay. Now he's rocking. We all know. We all know. Well, that so who do they have in the first game? So they have to play in, which I think is ridiculous. But it's like, why is the 11 seed a play in? Like, I understand the 16 seed being a play in, but yeah, like the 11 seed, you have to have two, but like really 12, 13, 14, 15, like you couldn't. So they have to play UCLA, which is going to be a tough matchup, but uh, I think they can swing it. So before I introduce Mac, uh, because I'm going to forget, we actually have. Nick and I, one of our good buddies from college, we have Corey Goldstein joining the podcast at the end of the episode uh, to talk a little March Madness. He is a diehard college basketball fan. Hopefully he can give you guys some uh, some underdog picks, you know, some bracket advice. We're recording this on Tuesday, March 16th. So a couple, you'll have a couple of days after this drops to uh, make your brackets. And now I'm going to introduce uh, Mac on the West Coast. How are we doing, buddy? I'm feeling good. I uh, have some exciting news to announce. I know I mentioned I'm I'm going to be moving in about a month back to uh, the good land, Milwaukee, but um, I'm proud to announce that I have recently signed a contract extension with um, Team Pinnacle of the B Wisconsin Amateur Beer League um, <laughs> for a annual salary <laughs> of me paying them $200 because that's what it costs to play um and i guess you could include in the salary beer i mean i usually get some free beer out of it too so um yeah big big contract deal for me that i signed uh just yesterday but i will be returning to team pinnacle our jerseys are orange and there's nothing on the front of them so it's pretty awesome nice (laughs) that's awesome well congratulations we want uh we want game footage we need interviews (laughs) we need guests all that good jazz yeah, I'm pretty hyped. I uh, I did play in this league my my like last two years of college. It's just like a little local league, uh, mostly made up of I'd say the average age is probably like 26 or 28 or something. Oh, that's a good. That's a good mix. Yeah. But yeah. there's there's kids from like like 19 or 20 all the way up to like some guys in their 60s that are still like moving wow. around on their skates. So yeah, it's pretty cool. But uh, it was fun. It's it's a good level of like this is fun and every team has a couple like good players that are like fun and yeah. challenging to play against. 
mixed with we're all drinking like beer yeah. before during and after like and... it's not too goofy but it's not too like exactly i'm yeah, here because i would have gone pro if it wasn't for my bum knee kind of thing exactly which yeah. uh, that's Love me that. exactly i've got a bum knee so that's <laughs> definitely the only reason i didn't go pro so um i do have one really quick story from last year's beer league uh, and then we'll get into some news around the league but i think this is a good one um, it was what we like to call at Marquette St. Practice Day, which is right around this time. It's like a week before um, St. Patty's Day. There we go. Harry's got the St. Pat's jersey. But um, it's like, you know, you're practicing for St. Patrick's Day. So you get just as drunk as you would on St. Patrick's Day, but you're just trying to make sure you know, like your limits the first day so you don't screw it up the second day, you know? So I'm going hard. We're day drinking all day long. It gets to like 6 p.m. And I realize I have a hockey game that night. And I was like, I mean, I don't have to go. Like I, I can miss some, but like I've paid for it. I kind of want to go, you know, yeah. now I don't drink and drive. Never do that. So I text a, uh, a, a member on my team. He's like 30. And I'm like, any chance you could swing by like Marquette's campus? I know it's kind of on your way and just like scoop me up like on your way and I can play. And he's like, yeah, sure. So I, I find out that I'm going to be playing and I don't have to drive. So I continue to just get like more and more drunk. And then two of my friends end up like finding out what's going on. They're like, oh, we want to go to the game. So now my buddy picks up me and the two others and bring literally picks up like three college students takes them to this beer league game. I played terrible. I was awful. I couldn't even like skate out there. I was falling all over the ice. <laughs> I think I may have managed to score a goal somehow, but like I can't it was remember. a mess. It was a mess. Can't remember. And um, yeah, they were making noise in the stands, embarrassing me the whole time. It was just not, not one that, that, that you want to remember, but I will remember it forever. So that's awesome excited to be back in that league and maybe have some more times like that yeah definitely proud but not proud of that one all at the same time it's a wonderful mix of emotions and on Uh, that note before (laughs) phenomenal timing that was incredible um before we get on with the league news and get you guys all up to date we do want to say that we were fortunate enough to be joined by actor patrick dempsey uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with him, he played Mike Aruzioni in the Disney movie Miracle on Ice. So that's pretty cool. Uh, talk to him about what it was like filming, the cast members, you know, his relationship with the director, his experience with all that, and what he's up to now. He's doing some pretty cool stuff uh, now that involves Dwayne The Rock Johnson, which is pretty awesome. So uh, that interview will be at the middle of the episode But for right now, we're going to start off with the league news, and I'm going to toss it off to Nick to drive the bus. So this was pretty cool. The NHL, uh, we sort of knew that their time with NBC as their flagship platform was coming to an end. And like we all expected, they signed a seven-year deal with ESPN and ABC for the TV media rights, whatever you want to call it. So... I was sort of torn when I saw this. I don't know what your guys' thoughts were. Uh... I obviously I'd stated my concern about this. I think it was two episodes prior, maybe one. I don't know. My brain's mush, but basically what this does is it includes 25 regular season games that are going to be televised on ESPN or ABC early round playoff series and one conference final each year, four Stanley cup final series on ABC and more than 1000 games per season streaming on ESPN plus. 
Uh, and then ESPN Plus and Hulu, which falls under that ABC, ESPN, Disney umbrella as well, will be home to 75 ESPN-produced exclusive telecasts per season. So definitely a lot of content here. I think, you know, like the All-Star Game and, you know, whenever that comes back, all that stuff will obviously be included. Uh, and then the NHL TV package, if you want to watch out-of-market stuff, that's going to be moved over to ESPN Plus as well. So what do you guys think about this? What was your first impression? And what do you think that we can expect from the NHL on NBC or on ESPN now? Well, I'm definitely going to have to get ESPN Plus now because I've been doing center ice since, you know, the dawn of time in 2005, it feels like. Uh, I like the move. It's the right move. You kind of have to be with ESPN if you want to be relevant. Uh, I think even golf, like golf is typically like an NBC thing, but I think the Masters is on ESPN usually, isn't it? CBS. CBS. Do they? So does golf not get ESPN? I don't know. That's, I guess that's a weird question to ask right now. But anyways, uh, yeah, this is the right move by the league. To put it in perspective, I mean, they still have they still have TV room for another network. So this isn't going to be exclusively uh, ESPN. NBC is said to renew, you know, some type of smaller deal. That's like a part-time gig. And then the NHL will be like half NBC, half ESPN. Fox could also be in the bidding. So we don't know yet. Uh, But if you're going to be with the big dogs and you're going to grow the sport, then you definitely got to be on ESPN. It's the one station that's on at every sports bar, every, you know, gym, dentist office, waiting room, you name it. That's what's going to be on the television. So I think that's pretty good for the league. Uh, so I read this and I wasn't like totally understanding. So included will be 25 regular season games on ESPN. So that means throughout the entire regular season, they only get 25 games on like primetime ESPN. Like channel. the primetime national coverage, like what okay. we would get on like the big NBC now. Seems kind of low, doesn't it? Is the way I understood it. And I'm not surprised by that considering how much other stuff they have to cover. Yeah. So I don't know if that's them meaning like just, you know, flagship espn and just like flagship abc or if that also includes espn two three you know whatever their other you know subdivisions are right i would hope it's the first thing yeah because at least if it's only 25 games at least let it be like the big dog you know um i'll say a quick note on all this i think there were two two major takes going around and you were kind of on one side or the other this past week after that was the Stephen A video where he was saying <laughs> five things about hockey or whatever. Um, you know, it's a funny video for sure, but I, I saw two takes from it. Basically one saying uh, any publicity is good publicity for the NHL right now, which is certainly one way to look at it. And then the other was kind of saying like, we don't want people like kind of making a mockery of the game and like making it like, Oh, we, like we don't know anything besides like fighting and like all that, like just the typical, like stereotypical stuff at least. So I don't know. I, I maybe fall somewhere in between all of that. I definitely want to see it taken seriously. And like Nick, you mentioned, I don't want to see it just brushed over. Like they get their two minutes done on the, you know, uh, timer for the day. And then they're like, okay, and now on to football and basketball for the rest of the day. So you know, we won't know until we really see how they how they treat it on the air uh, for a season. But it's it's exciting in some ways, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it pans out. Yeah, and I think the first thing that comes to every 
diehard hockey fans mind is okay who's broadcasting because we all know who we want and it's like i haven't seen i haven't seen any other like names being thrown out there all i've seen is people go gary thorne i want gary thorne we want him give me gary yeah well he's a he's a free agent right now so it's a match made (laughs) and he did say he was open to it so you know i think that best thing that espn could do for growing that audience or maintaining that audience is get him in the broadcast booth right so yeah yeah, they actually had Ray Ferraro bits and pieces back in the day. I wouldn't mind seeing that again. I, I, I do think it's the right move. I mean, would you guys agree this is probably what's best to grow the game to a casual fan base? Probably. I say so. I, I like For I now. would say so. Uh I I do think that NBC did have some good like pieces in there. Like we we talked on the last episode about how we thought, you know, Keith Jones, Catherine Tappan, all those like, you know, those guys and gals. Yeah, they're great. Uh, so I don't know. I'd, I'd hate to not see them involved in it because I feel like I've just been like right indoctrinated. There. Well, you yeah. got to think they're going to coming in hot with the words today. Oh, you got to think they're going to pull some people though. Like from, yeah, I, I don't think it'll be like a total, like entire new lineup cover in the game. Yeah. So it'll just be a matter of who decides they want to make the move over with the NHL and who wants to stay with NBC or whatever they're going to be moving on to with Peacock and all that. But yeah, with yeah, any luck, we'll we get more Butchie Gross action. Yep. Uh, you know, I think Steve Levy was involved in hockey. He was. Um, so there's that Barry Melrose, love him, hate him. I'm kind of back and forth every now and then, but he's still on sports center somehow, some way. Babcock can go fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, my last thought on this is, and I was saying this to my buddies, they, you know, we were talking about, there's some graphic on Instagram about like, you know, the, the amount of sports attention that's being had right now. And DIHL was, uh, I think last or second to last. I can't remember. They weren't far behind baseball, which I think is a step in the right direction. But I heard this on Chicklets this morning when I was listening to it. And I think it really does put things into perspective in 2005, the NHL was on the Outdoor Lifetime Network, yep. on OLN. And the contract with NBC when they originally signed it in 2010, 11, right after they switched off of Versus, yep. for $200 million. And they're about to go on to a $600 million deal. Yeah. So I would say that things are trending in the right direction. We definitely okay. have, you know, our it's a niche kind of sport i guess is what people call it i don't really see it like that i think you have to learn it uh just like anything else that you watch so i think the league's going in the right direction and uh i think the fact that the two best players in the league both play in canada you have to somehow get that like barrier of literally the border the barrier like yeah broken you gotta get you gotta get people hip with the canadian market it is true that some people just like can't compute the fact that there's like Canadian teams in it. Like I'll have a friend be like, what are you doing? I'm like watching hockey. And he's like, who's playing? And I'm like Montreal and Toronto or something. And he's like, immediately he's kind of like, that's neither here nor there. Like you can't even really like understand that, which I get it's weird. Cause we think of like the Canadian football league and shit, like irrelevant shit like that. Yeah. Once you like kind of understand the NHL, you realize it's all one piece. It's not like these Canadian teams are like, othered or you know. yeah 
And I think that this is something that the Olympics could really help. Cause yeah, you said, you know, the two best players in the world are playing in Canada right now, but one of them's American and yeah, get that guy, you know, everyone watches the Olympics. You're going to get more people watching the Olympics than you are probably just a random ass hockey game. So, you know, get NHL players for team USA out there. And I think that would, you know, bring a lot of attention in. It's like, Oh, Hey, this guy's American. He, you know, uh, knock on wood, he won a gold medal at the next Olympics and he's on my, you know, local area hockey team. Maybe I'll start to pay attention. So who knows? Yeah. And he's arguably the most marketable guy. He just had a music video made after him by Justin. <laughs> yeah, Bieber, so seriously. I would say that he's probably the best face that you got. And it's a good one to have. He's got good personality. He's kind of, you know, he's hip with things as the kids would say. So as um, the youths would say, yes. So those are my thoughts on the ESPN deal. Yeah. Cool. Let's move on. Uh, Evgeny Malkin became the 18th fastest player in NHL history to reach 1,100 points. He did it in 935 games played. That's pretty impressive. Not bad. Still didn't, make, still didn't make NHL top 100, but you know, I'm not mad about that. Yeah. Not I think at all. He's, he's looks good in the last week or two. He's, he's getting it together a little bit. Yeah. yeah he's catching fire. The pens, the pens look very good, but I'll get into that later. Yeah. That whole, top three in the east right now is dog fight yeah i have cooking. a lot i have a lot of thoughts on that but we'll get into that when we get into the, the market sure. report yeah. Oh, yeah uh some very sad news this sort of just came out over the wire um a couple days ago for us here but uh 19 year old defenseman teamer for was playing for Dynamo St. Petersburg's junior team in a playoff game on Friday, and he was struck by a puck in the face off of a dump-in in the neutral zone. He was rushed to the hospital and ultimately passed away. Uh, I believe it was either late last night or early this morning after three days of you know doctors basically fighting for this kid's life. Uh, completely unintentional, such a freak accident. I don't know if you guys have seen the video. If you're not loving seeing people get like graphically injured i do not recommend watching it but it you know this is just so sad and it's um it's just one of these things in the hockey world where you do see the best in people because a ton of people have sort of come together to show their support and um the entire community really and it's just so sad that something like this could happen yeah it made me immediately think back to like the early 2000s there was like a freak accident where a fan actually got struck by a puck in the stands i think it was a columbus versus calgary game or something like that in like 2002 and she also passed away from i think she was only like 13 or something like that but it literally just goes to show that like puck injuries are are super serious especially when they're to the face and like such an unprotected vulnerable area like that and you know you see guys get hit with the stick or with the puck or with the skate it's all bad but like there's something about that puck when it's just going that fast that it just can mess you up big time especially the way that these sticks can launch these things now yeah Um, these things are basically slingshots for it so uh, yeah, obviously wish the best for him and his family and obviously for the, you know, the player involved, you know, no malicious intent whatsoever. So I'm sure he's going through a very rough time right now. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Incredibly sad incident. Yeah. Our, uh, thoughts and prayers over there. For sure. Uh, the Sabres have lost 11 straight games in a row. Their most recent coming at the hands of your Washington Capitals, providing them with a 
six nothing curb stomping and i think that's i think that's being modest uh the devils have lost 11 straight at home these two teams play each other in jersey tonight on the 16th who wins the toilet bowl uh i'm gonna go I'm gonna go Buffalo. I feel like I feel like eleven in a row is worse than eleven <laughs> in a row at home. I think just gotta be like, all right, we gotta get one. Um, I'm gonna go with Buffalo. Let's see Eric Stahl do something. Let's have like a prime time Eric Stahl game. That would be nice. I am also rooting for that to happen. However, if they don't win this game against New Jersey, they play the Bruins twice in a row next. And after that, it's the Rangers and then the Penguins twice in a row and the Bruins and the Flyers. Like, what, like it, this is where it needs to end, right? Right here against the Devils for them because suddenly they're right back into the thick of it with some of the top teams in the division. This is their chance to put that streak behind them and at least, you know, separate it from maybe a new losing streak that's about to start, you know? But they just I'm like, gonna... they need to. They yeah. need to do it tonight because they're just going to be rinse cycled, like just being tumbled over and over again. If they, if yeah. they don't this, I literally was thinking like, you know how the caps first season, they, they set a record for like least amount of wins or something like that. It was like, yeah. literally they won like seven games all season, yeah. something like that. And you never see shit like that anymore because it's like, you know, teams aren't that bad anymore. and the nhl changed the rules to help vegas get to the cup final in their first year. yeah <laughs> exactly Ooh. right but anyway my point is like i was thinking about the sabers record recently and how this is kind of a weird season with the division and everything and like this could be a year where they they win like 10 games or something like that like i'm serious they could actually like somehow win like 10 or 15 games and that's it all season so who you got winning you you said over the weekend you wanted to predict when the sabers would get i know i really want to i they aren't going to beat boston i can tell that boston's fighting for their lives right now i know and i don't think they're going to beat the devils tonight Mackenzie blackwood's probably in net and i think that I it's think Jonas johansson because because here's the thing carter hutton played for against the caps and he actually looked really good especially in the first period and it didn't matter like that's how bad it is for them he played really well and it didn't fucking matter at all they still lost six nothing um, and they couldn't put the backup in because they play the next night tonight, which is Jonas Johansson's turn or whatever, because all Mark is still yeah um, out. So. so you're both on Jersey and I'm on Buff. I'm saying yeah. Jersey wins tonight. Yep. All right. I like being the oddball. It's all right. Yeah. I uh, want Buffalo, but we'll same, see. same. Uh, Darlene, like, I don't know if you guys have seen um, Mike Commodore. He does like the worst plus minus list and he makes it look like a, a golf scoreboard. He makes it look like the masters <laughs> and the top seven are Buffalo Sabres and oh Rasmus Dahlin is leading that with a minus 27. I think like, I, oh I feel gosh. so bad. I but... think they also have like the least amount of goals for in the league or something like that. Like they just can't get the offense going. Nobody can get going. I you want to like, hear it. Olsen and like Reinhardt have looked okay, but that's about it. This is nuts. Listen to this. If every Sabres goal was worth two, Instead of one, oh no, Buffalo would still be five games under 500 in their last 17 games. Holy shit, that's bad. Yeah, that's 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 not great. That's nuts. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They're gonna set some records for like stink this year. Yeah, and I'd we a lot of people had this team making the playoffs. Like a lot of people, yeah, people had them at least like fighting it out for like a a fifth or fourth spot around that around that area. They're not gonna come close. 
I just feel bad for him. Like, what does that what does that city have to do to have a successful sports team? I know the Bills are better now, but yeah, that's still, the toughest. They still thing. lost four Super Bowls in a <laughs> row, though. Well, that's the toughest thing about it, though, is it's not like you know, not to pick on Arizona, but we were talking about them recently, possible relocation. But with the Sabers, this is one of the most diehard hockey fan bases in the league. You can't just up and move them, and there's nothing you can do but just they try won't. to get better. But like, how do you tell a franchise of like? of diehard fans hey you know how we decided to rebuild like three years ago well now we're gonna start over and do it again and trade eichel and all the play like they haven't made the playoffs in nine years like what do you do as a sabers fan at this point they can't move that team because then how are leaf fans gonna go to leaf games it's not like they can afford to do it in their own arena. <laughs> oh no no wow. they'll never move the sabers no they saying. will never move the sabers they just um, got to fix it. Go back to the Buffalo head, black, red, and white. Boom, exactly. problem solved. I promise. Black, red, and white, and get a player like Patrick Kane. Who there you go. We're transitioning to talk about right now anyway. So Patty Kane finally cracked the top five all-time in scoring among American-born <laughs> players. I think we sort of knew this was going to happen. It was just a question of when. Uh Hands down, I think at this point, we can all say that this guy is the greatest American player as of right now to have played the game of hockey. While that's probably not going to last very long because I think number 34 is probably going to jump over him at some point down the road. I'm I'm comfortable with saying that now. Uh, So, and certainly the most talented. So just great to see him continuing to climb that ladder. I know he had a big milestone about two weeks ago, so Great to see him sort of have this this monster season when a lot of people sort of were starting to write him off. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, we, I think we said it when he played his 1,000th game for all three of us, probably the greatest American player of all time and keeps climbing the, uh, the record books. So congrats to him. He's also looked incredible this season. Yeah, I think I think if the Blackhawks get in, he should be right there in the heart conversation. Definitely. Uh, Artemi Panarin is back in the lineup after that whole, you know, political scandal fiasco for the Rangers and scores in his first game back. So he has clearly not missed a beat. And I think he had like points on like all three of their goals or something that night. Yeah, so, six, six Sally too, dude. He, he gets fired up. I like yeah. it. He's not wasting I, time. I think he's a great player to watch in the league. Similar to Matthews. He's just a really exciting player to watch. He's good for the league. Like you said, and I'm just glad to see him back in the, in the lineup. I mean, I know I don't want the Rangers to win the games during our division, but he's a, he's a hell of a player. Got a lot of respect for him. Definitely. Uh, Keith Yandel played in his 1000th career game and keeps his Ironman streak alive after we had this whole thing with Florida potentially scratching him. So um, yeah, so his, uh, go ahead. His teammates got him that sick golf cart. Did you see that? Fucking I I did see that. Things like nicer than my car. He got, (laughs) he got two Rolexes. Yeah. Jesus. And the, and it has a backup camera, the golf cart. And it can go 30 miles an hour. Why do you need a backup camera for a golf cart? That's just just extra. That's sick, though. Tell me, though, why the whole Panthers front office right now, like the fact that they were just like honoring him and celebrating him, they literally may as well just like paint clown faces on themselves at this point. Like they're just so like literally not even two months ago, they were like, Yandel is not in our plans for this season or whatever. And now they're just like oh, their first place in the league. And we have this guy and he's our favorite. It's like, dude, you guys look like clowns right now, but congrats to Yandel. He's a hell of a player. 
Yeah, good for him. And uh, I'm sure Biz is happy they're not still teammates because I don't think he would have wanted to chip in for that golf cart and two Rolexes. So <laughs> <laughs> that could have gotten pricey. Let me just repeat what I said, by the way, in case you guys didn't hear it. They're first in the league in standings halfway through the year. Who had that coming? So nobody. Yeah, I think this is a lot of untapped potential exploding uh, for this team. So I'm happy for them. I want to see a monster playoff series between them and Tampa. And I think that's got to be one of the next big rivalries in the NHL. Florida matchup, that would be so sick. Yeah, interstate, you know, everyone has sort of like written off the Panthers. If you're a hockey fan down there, you're like, I'm going to go with the Bolts because they're a real team, whereas this other one really isn't. And and now we're starting to see like a level playing field and I'm all for that. Well, am I correct that the Panthers are like pretty much based out of Miami? Is it like right around there? It's like 40 minutes. It's like 40 minutes outside of there. It's like sunrise, right? That's right. So that's like, that's really cool. Honestly, that'd be a sick, like little subway series. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ovi scored the other night he was one of six capitals to score in buffalo in that six nothing curb stomping and he tied phil esposito for sixth all-time in goals at 717 so up next is marcel dion arguably the greatest player to play to never win a stanley cup uh at 731 after him uh brett hall in fourth at 741 those are really the two that could realistically be hit this season, I think. And I think Brett Hall's probably a little bit too far out of reach to be hit this season. But um, those are the next two big names on the radar. And if you want an update on the biggest name on the radar, he's got 177 to go to tie number 99. Uh, over under this segment last five and a half minutes. I'm hammering the over. And I <laughs> That's won't even, all I have to say. And I won't even talk. That's all I have to say. No, I, I, I'll leave it at that pretty much too. I just, uh, I think he will get Marcel this year. I, uh, I don't know if we'll get Brett. It's what I can't do math that well, but that's 14 more to get Marcel and 24 more to get Hull. Yes. He could score 25 this year, I guess he would really have to blow up. He, you know, he hasn't been scoring as often as he usually does this season. And I feel like a big part of that is, uh, he really feeds off the fans and stuff like that. I, oh, that, for that, sure. That's kind of why I feel like he slowed down a bit. But... There's, there's what, like 26 or seven games left in the year? I think so. Somewhere around there, yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's possible, doable. but he, he'd have to blow up to right. get. If anyone can do it, it's him. I yeah. mean, it's true. He, he, yeah. he, can, he can just go on a tear at any it's time. It's so, so true. Uh, uh, speaking see. of going on a tear, Kirill yeah. the Thrill notched his first career hat trick this past week against the Yotes and is basically making the wild a fun hockey team to watch. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, catch a couple of these games as I've been up late, falling asleep, whatever. This kid's unbelievable. This kid will win the Calder trophy this year. I don't think we can say anyone else has a chance right now. If he continues on the pace that he's at and they're a dangerous team. They're second in their division, and he also legitimately looks like a 15-year-old going to algebra class. So <laughs> Seriously. I don't, I don't know how he's doing it, but yeah. he, Kaprizov is just nasty. Uh, yeah. it's, and they look they have been wearing the reverse retros, it feels like, every night. Yeah, the, so, the subway uniforms. Yeah, yeah I don't – I actually don't like them that much. I thought that they were cool when they released them, but seeing them in action, they do look a little weird, like – 
they kind of like I kind of the sprite commercials or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like, like them though. The yellow is like a little off-putting for some reason, but fair enough. Anyway, I, they they are fun to watch, and Capo Kakinen is has been really exciting to watch too. I hope yeah. they make the playoffs so I can pick them again. And so we can uh, hit our boy Denny up. Right. And shove it up Denny too. <laughs> go Nux. Yeah. Right, Denny? Go right. Nux. Go Nux. Capo Kakinen is also in the running for Calder. Fun fact. So, yep. uh, you know, he's the goalie right now for the Minnesota Wild. He's 11 and four so far this season and has won his last eight in a row. He is so absolutely impressive. He is buzzing. He's starting tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. But we don't care. We're on the Coyotes tonight. Publish that pick. We'll see what happens. I like them to bounce back. Uh, you got to get a little underdog bet every now and then, you know? Pun intended. Yes. Uh, with the NHL trade deadline approaching, that is April 12th. Mark your calendars. Comes earlier or later this year. Later. Beats me. Um, Matthias Ekholm is largely understood to be the player most likely to be moved. And everyone's got lists. You can go on Instagram in your discover page or basically go into our followers page on Instagram and go to any, you know, NHL discussion, puck empire, whatever you want to pull. They've got lists and he's at the top of all of them. So Matthias Ekholm missed some time to start the season. And uh, if you look at his stats, you wouldn't be able to tell because he has made up for lost time. He's been a machine. Um, He looks like he's trying to play to get picked up by somebody who could maybe contend. This guy looks like he wants to play for a team that actually, you know, can, can contend night in night out. So I'd be excited to see him go somewhere. He's been on my fantasy team and and doing me wonders. So I'd be excited to see him uh, play for, I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think is a good fit for somebody like him? Uh, Chicago. I've they're, heard that. I they're think... on the edge. They're sort of on the outside looking in, you know, yeah. fourth in that division right now. I mean, he's a good like two way defender with a big offensive upside, but I think he's, Louis. A, he's a big guy too, isn't he? Winnipeg. That he is, I can he, see. He is a big guy and he, he was, I mean, I got to know him very well in that 2017 finals. He's a he's a beast. I think yeah. I think St. Louis, for some reason, makes sense to me. They've been trying to move Vince Dunn, so maybe that's something that works. Some other names on that top ten list that are worth noting: Ricard, Ricard Raquel, uh, or is it Richard Raquel? Am I Ricard. right? Ricard on Anaheim. Uh, Taylor Hall, obviously, that's you know the one year deal. Let's see what goes down there. Eric Stahl, one-year deal. Let's see what goes down there. Heard Clayton Keller's name a little bit. I don't know how accurate that would be, but, um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. April 12th will be here before you know it. Seriously. Big time. Uh, just some injuries to get to. Anders Lee, the Islanders captain, is going to be out for the regular season with a lower body injury. That's cap hit is not going to count towards them, and he can come back for the playoffs, and it still won't count, so keep that in mind. Uh, opens up a lot of room for that team to be active at the deadline. So yeah, that's scary. And not what you want to hear if you're a non-Islanders Metro I, fan. So I feel like they're going to be one of those teams that goes for the big forward like Halsey. I've, th- they just strike me as that type. Yeah, I could see them getting Hall. I could yeah. see him like suddenly like they're totally the team that grabs that guy and then he scores like a buttload of goals for them. Yeah. And it's like, well, fuck, we can yeah. on that. Uh, Eichel is going to, you know, woes in Buffalo are just, you know, this <laughs> is just like continuing by the week. I feel bad, but he's out longer than I think people had originally expected. Of course, it's the NHL. We have no idea what that means. I have not seen any timetable. I have not seen any details. So 
he's just going to be out for a while. Best thing that happened to the Sabres organization this season is that we interviewed Rob Ray. Yeah. Just Hands down. Putting, putting it bluntly. Uh, and then Nico Heischer is going to be out three weeks with a frontal sinus fracture. That sounds fucking painful. That sounds horrible. I get sinus headaches all the time, and that's got to be terrible. Yeah, it's not a good one. Yeah. That wraps it up for yeah. news and injuries. Uh, we are going to now transition to the interview with Patrick Dempsey. But before we do, we want you to know that this interview is brought to you by Brackish Life. If you're like us and grew up on the water and outdoors, then Brackish Life is perfect for you. They have a wide selection of gear from UV shirts to hoodies and hats. It's Real Bay Apparel made by Real Bay people. Head to www.brackish.life today to check them out. A little salty, a little fresh, Brackish Life. Brackish Life has also teamed up with Rink to Reef Chesapeake Bay to preserve the area many of us call home. Rink to Reef repurposes broken hockey sticks into oyster restoration habitats. Brackish Life donates a portion of their proceeds to Rink to Reef to further preserve the beautiful Chesapeake Bay area. Support this great cause by checking out www.brackish.life today. We're going to toss it off to Patrick Dempsey right now. All right, everyone. Uh, this is really, really cool for us. I know I'm personally very excited about this. It's now our privilege to welcome on one of the stars of my favorite movies of all time. He played Mike Ruzioni in the film Miracle. Please welcome Patrick O'Brien Dempsey. Pat, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. What's up, fellas? So just like we do with like a lot of our guests, you know, you obviously you, you grew up in Massachusetts. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and, you know, how you got started, you know, loving, appreciating and ultimately playing the game of hockey itself. So I grew up uh, on the North Shore of Boston in a little town called Danvers. And uh, my family's owned the property for quite a while. I mean, several generations. I think the fourth generation is in the house now. Wow. And there's a the property is a 12 acre property and there's a pond and so four generations have now skated on the same pond uh in my family so that's where i learned to skate and that's where i fell in love with the game that's so cool uh you know i think the the pond thing was definitely something that we didn't get to experience it was more of like the driveway uh since it never you know froze over for more than a day so um, yeah, and to have it in your backyard, that must have been incredible. What was the uh, the youth hockey scene like when you were growing up there? So it was uh, Danvers Youth Hockey had a really good program. Uh, and I started, you know, the, 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 as a mite, there's a learn to skate program and all that. And uh, they always have had a great program. Um, so and and then it fed right into our high school, Danvers High School, which when I was uh, a freshman, we won the state tournament, Division Two state tournament in Massachusetts, uh, and then made it to the finals again my junior year, but we didn't win. So we we always had a really good program. Wow. Um, you say you're from Boston. I don't I don't sense too much of an accent. I was expecting when you said North Shore, I'd get a Shaw or something like that. But you did pretty good. <laughs> Well, you know, I moved to Los Angeles 18 years ago. And there they were like, go. oh, you want, to be an, you want to be an actor, right? I go, yeah, an actor. They go, well, lose that speech impediment, kid. <laughs> <laughs> what's, uh, what's, guys, what, help me yeah. out. What's the commercial with John Krasinski or whatever his name is from The Office where they do oh, the, 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 the soft? Smart Park. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Smart Park. 
It doesn't take long for me to get it back. My wife says, yeah, I get out off the uh, the plane in Logan Airport in Boston and at the airport, you know, it's already back. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's it's always in the back. I'll tell you the hardest words I, I have that to say without a bottom, like my brain goes like <laughs> the gears are great. When I try to say Arnold Palmer. Oh, OK. That's a tough I just one. want to say Palmer. Arnold Palmer. <laughs> It, it, it brings out all the weakness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I hear you. That's funny. Yeah. Um, how did how did you get into acting? Uh, I'm curious. You know, obviously you're from Boston. You talked about you, know, you had the pond, and then you played youth hockey, and um, you played decently competitively. So how did you kind of transfer that into acting? All right. So I was doing uh, I was going to school, going to college for graphic design. I have a degree in graphic design and a minor in the fine arts. Uh, so I was always doing creative things. Um, and I was doing my internship and I was sitting behind a computer doing like a corporate identities logo design. And uh, I, I realized I was, had way too much energy to be sitting behind a computer. I was literally like shaking all day, you know, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll go to acting school when I when I get out of when I finish, you know, my when I finish college, uh, which seemed like a perfectly reasonable idea at the time. Um, and so I just started slacking off one day at work. It was October 16th of 2002. And I was like clicking away, like, let me look for acting schools, right? And and within a couple hours, I found an open casting call for hockey players that could act. Uh, and they were casting, I think, seven cities in, in North America and Canada. And the auditions ended within 24 hours the, the next day in Boston. And so I just sent an email and said, hey, I'd love to come audition. And they were like, sure. So then I had to, you know, go to my boss and say, hey, I've got, you know, for my internship, I've got an audition <laughs> tomorrow in Boston. And I go and she was like, yeah, go ahead, you know. <laughs> right. right, yeah. Like, like, and if she had never allowed me to go, you know, I can't, I'd, I'd never even thought that she wouldn't, you know, it was like, but I can't, ah, oh, man, it's crazy, right? Yeah, no, that's, that's insane. So you, what were the auditions like? I mean, what did they kind of ask you to do in order to, to qualify? So the first audition consisted of me sweating bullets, uh, quiver lipping and forgetting all my lines. <laughs> it, was, it was atrocious. It was right. it was awful. I was I was so nervous. I had no idea what I was doing. I remember I can't remember the hotel, but it was in Boston. I took the train in and um, there was a bar in the lobby and I went down and I like chugged two like neat whiskeys immediately. At a boy. <laughs> like I came out and I was like, like physically shaking and sweating. And I was like, oh, my God. And uh, I remember just downing two drinks and getting on the train and going home. Um, but we auditioned. I auditioned in Boston that day. And then uh, a month later, they called it, called me back and said, we're going to have an on ice, uh, like an on ice audition uh, in, in, you know, outside of Boston. And I went there and there was tons of guys. Funny, the the person that I sat next to in the locker room, there's hundreds of guys there was Mike Mantenuto, who played Jack O'Callaghan. We yeah. somehow sat next to each other 
in the locker room on that audition. And that's like the first time I met him. Um, so we auditioned there. Then I think I, 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 it's funny. It's, it's so long. It's like 18 years ago now that, or 19 years ago that all of this started happening. So it was like, I think I auditioned about six or seven times in Boston. I mean, I kept going back in to read, to read. And I was terrible probably every time. And then they called, they said, Hey, we're going to fly we're going to fly you to Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, there's like a whole weekend camp. We're bringing in, we're flying in 40 hockey players. And then we have 40 actors from LA that are going to do it like a hockey camp slash audition for the whole weekend. So I got there and we played hockey and, and, you know, they could tell we could play, uh, and, uh, they could tell we couldn't act. And so (laughs) they set me up with an, to really help me, uh, try to get the role. I mean, they, everyone was going to bat for me. You know, I thought it was just like a normal part of the process. But after, you know, seeing how the business works, the fact that they paid for, for someone to coach me to help me to be able to do it, they were they were really behind me. So what was the uh, like ice audition part of that? Like, I'm assuming like in my head that just is like a hockey training camp anyways. I mean, you get that many hockey yeah. players together. We all know what's going to happen. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was a, but you know, they ran a bunch of drills and they had all the producers and everybody up there with clipboards and everything looking, you know, taking notes. They knew who, lo- I mean, I looked ver- a lot like a Ruzi. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, and so, you know, they knew who they were looking for, for which parts, and they would just check the boxes. Can they skate? Can, you know, did they look natural, uh, you know? Uh, and then, so we did a bunch of drills and then we did a scrimmage. Uh, and it was, you know, just so they could see, see it in a, you know, a game format or game situation. I think it's uh, kind of funny that the way they decided to go about this was they figure, okay, it's easier to, teach skaters how to act than it is to teach actors how to skate do you think that that's accurate i mean being someone who knows how to act and skate what was harder for you to pick up uh well it's funny i I really wasn't one of the best hockey players i mean i i you know i pretty much was a fourth line grinder in a division three college right and we had division one athletes we had guys that played in the ahl we had guys that played in the nhl i I mean it was like a high high caliber and i was very close to the bottom of it um so it you know a lot of the guys that were involved they they had um creative interests so it, it wasn't that much of a stretch you know what i mean they they had a certain ability that that the director, Gavin O'Connor, just he he was looking for a certain some he, you know, he could find the guys that he said, I can work with this. You know, they have the ability to do what I need. I just got to I've got to massage it a little bit. And his his vision, too, was that for the audience to really buy this movie, they couldn't recognize any of us. You know, if it was I, I heard that. Fred Savage was up for Micah Ruzioni, right? So <laughs> I don't know if this is true, but this is, Holy you know, shit. I heard it. I'm, I remember hearing it after, but could you imagine watching that movie and seeing Fred Savage? You wouldn't be able to 
disconnect from him enough to enjoy the moment. I don't think. Um, so the, so Gavin's vision was that, you know, I, I really want to find either pretty much unknown actors or hockey players that will be able to pull this off. And, and he had a combination of the two. So do you remember the, um, I'm going to butcher what the technical term is here, but when you got like uh, called to basically be on the, the crew and, you know, the steps that happened after that, like where you guys filmed, how long you, a day you would film, just that whole process of, all right, I got the role. Now we're rocking and rolling. Uh, it's so it's so it's so bizarre that from the beginning and this just could have been just how naive I was it from the moment I found out about this I thought this is this is going to happen I, I really never stressed out about it which is you know knowing what I know about the business now is insane <laughs> but it just felt you know when it just felt like it felt like it was going to happen. So I remember, so they, they flew, flew us to Los Angeles to do the training camp and uh, Disney, I guess they weren't convinced that I was going to be able to do this. So a week later, they flew me back again by myself, set me up uh, with, with an acting coach. And I remember I was, you know, auditioning and, uh, I was in uh, Larchmont Village sit sitting on the side on a stone wall inside, uh, just outside of the Finn Hiller casting office. And they came outside after I had auditioned inside. I was just sort of sitting there waiting and they said, you got it. And I was like, all right, cool. When do we leave? <laughs> and they were like, they were like, what? I was like, yeah, when do we, when do we, it, it really wasn't like this. Cause I, I didn't even know what I was getting into. Do you know what I mean? It, I didn't, I didn't know anything about filmmaking. I didn't know anything about acting. I knew about the story, but who knows? There's plenty of crappy movies that are made. You know, I didn't, I didn't realize at the time that I was getting into something that was going to be really special. What was that transition like? You know, you said yourself, like you had no idea what you're getting yourself into. And then, you know, I'm assuming boom then you're on set and what's like a you know what was a typical day like that's got to be a pretty big culture shock yeah i mean i went basically right from college uh i, I and a month after I, I finished in december and of 2002 and you know the first week of february i was flying to vancouver british columbia to shoot the movie so we did it like a month-long training camp beforehand we did like eight hours on ice a day, rehearsing everything. And then we would do like a three to four hour acting class at night as a group with a coach to sort of get us all ready. And I remember the, the first scene we shot, we were, it was the scene we were outside of the bus confronting coach Brooks about bringing in this guy, Tim Harrer. And, uh, and we hadn't, really met Kurt he, you know he said hello to us but he stayed away from us from the most part because again Gavin the director wanted us to be intimidated by him when he when he approached us uh it was a strategic maneuver for that first scene um and I, re I remember like there was I didn't you know I didn't hear it but I heard of it a collective sigh of relief when they realized oh my gosh this kid can act <laughs> 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 we got one. 
yeah they were like all right all right this is this is happening you know because it was but it was um we shot all night long out in Rossland, British Columbia, which was, uh, you know, where the scenes that were taking place, uh, the exteriors for Lake Placid uh, was in Ross- Rossland, British Columbia. And we we're shooting all night, freezing outside. Right. And I re- I'll, rem- I'll never forget this. At about 430 in the morning, Kurt Russell turns and looks at us and goes, well, boys, Hollywood ain't all cocaine and sunglasses now, is it? <laughs> That's awesome. Absolutely <laughs> classic. What was it like to yeah. work with him? He's incredible. Just a, a, an unbelievable professional. He came to work every day, prepared no crap out of him. You know, he, he was there to execute Gavin's vision and, you know, brought his own ideas but didn't argue with what he wanted and it was just a great guy to learn from on our first project what was in your opinion your uh your best scene or favorite scene in the movie that like you know when you when you were going through the scene people might not realize how much fun you were having or some goofy like you know blooper that happened prior uh is there any scene that stands out to you my the best scene. So there's a scene where uh, Ralph Cox gets cut, right? So Coach uh, um, Coach Patrick comes into the locker room, says, "Talk to you. you know, Coach. Coach wants to talk to you." And uh, Kenny Mitchell is one of my dearest friends who played Ralph Cox, and he's a trem- He was an actor. He was one of the guys who was an actor beforehand, uh, a tremendous actor. And I was really just learning. Uh, and he was so good that I, I was crying for about six hours that day because, (laughs) and there's a shot that goes from him sitting there and it cuts back to me looking at him. And like, I was, I, it, it just, it was such a great day for me, uh, to, to feel like as an actor who was learning that I had that ability to uh to do that so it's it's probably something completely different from what you thought i might say um but it was uh for me i was like i'm i'm good at this i can do this you know that was a cool moment for me within the movie to say this is like this is a this is something for me that that i really like and that i'm good at that's That's super cool to hear i'm also curious was it weird at all having to use equipment that wasn't like up to date? Like, because obviously like the wooden sticks and everything are, are out of the eighties, but it's 2003. Was that kind of weird at all for you guys? Or you didn't really think about it much. So, I mean, I really had used wooden sticks through college. I mean, I, I finished playing. Uh, I didn't play my senior year cause I wanted to finish up school and get out of there. And there was no hope for me to, play hockey and you know i wasn't looking looking for that uh nor was i good enough to um so i i i don't think i never had a composite stick i think i finished playing in 2001 so i mean were they terrible yeah because at least the the wooden ones i had had like some sort of laminate that made them a little bit stiffer these things were like tree branches um the skates were i think they were bauer 1000s 
that were <laughs> painted brown, you know, like the leathers were, were painted brown to look old. So they weren't really that old. Um, and that's about it. I mean, you know, the gloves with the long cuffs. So, yeah. Um, I, I know you just said his name earlier and now it's escaping me. I think it's Mike who played Jack O'Callaghan, right? Am I, am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I speak for the three of us and if I don't, I apologize, but that he's, just such a so good at that role and like the one-liners are so good um what was he like you know working with on on cast i mean he's kind of, i would imagine he's funny based on what i've seen from the movie he he's he was i don't got no no if you guys know but he has passed he, he's not with us anymore um i, did, I didn't but know that he, yeah he he uh he took his own life oh, for you three or ago so, but I'll tell you, he was a wild one. <laughs> he was so much fun, man. You wanted to get in, like you wanted to go out for a night. You have, were with Mikey. <laughs> he was taking you out. It was like he was 125% in everything that he went into. So he was in the, in, he, you know, worked as an actor a bit. But he had a family, so he had to support his family. He left uh, the business and he talking about going balls to the wall. He became a Green Beret. Wow. Holy hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he became he went into special forces. I mean, this dude was talk about an absolute legend. For sure. <laughs> right? For sure. Most dude I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Movie star Green Beret. It's like, are you kidding me? Right. Yeah. He played uh, Vision One at at University of Maine too. Kid, wow. He was an unbelievable hockey player. Yeah. Oh, wow. What was the? Uh, I guess like you know, with all these hockey players that are now acting together, it was the set just like the locker room basically. Like, I mean, were you guys just like? Yeah. Were they just like trying yeah. desperately to keep a handle on you guys? Yeah, I mean, it was the the wardrobe ladies were like, it's like having 24 puppies around. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are just all over. I mean, we were all between 18 and I think the oldest one was 27. But I would say the average age was probably 22 or 23 amongst among us, you know. Um, and, you know, you let none of us had any money. You know, and all of a sudden you're you're making good money. You're living in a foreign city. You're all in a hotel together. So one of the wardrobe guys, he was also the wardrobe guy on Slapshot. Okay. And uh, he said, you know, there's only one movie I've been on that was a bigger shit show than this one. And uh, I'll give you one, guys one guess what that was. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is too good. What, like, you know, obviously you, I'm assuming that they had people there that were, you know, sort of making sure that the story stayed accurate. Um, I'm assuming you got to meet a guy, like, you know, a bunch of the guys from uh, the team itself. What was that experience? Like, I know that, um, you know, Buzz Schneider's kid, Billy played his dad, which was pretty cool. But like, what was it like to actually meet some of the guys from that team? 
Uh, well, so Arruzioni is only from about like 15 miles away from where I grew up. We grew up really close to each other. So when I found out I got it, they said, oh, we're going to give you his, his phone number. So I got his phone number and he was helping to coach his kids high school team at the time. And I went down there and skated with them a bit and met him and just, you know, got to know him a little bit, which is like, how cool is that? It's <laughs> just so cool. That's awesome. Right? And then, you know, because like I said, I had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, you know, I didn't realize, you know, what this would, you know, how this would change my life. Um, so that was great. We, we had a great, um, we had a, you know, a great moment with coach Brooks. And, uh, so everyone in my life calls me Patty. They have since I was a little kid. So we're, we're, uh, the, the director Gavin O'Connor is like, uh, he's like, Hey guys, come over. You know, I got, I got, you know, someone I want you to meet coach Brooks is here. And so we're like, Oh my God. Right. So we're all in, this is like when we're practicing, we have jerseys with no names on them. We all have cages on because if we got hit in the face with a puck, like the movie would be on hold. So, so, um, he, he brings us over to the, to the bench and we're all on the ice and coach Brooks is on the bench and, and coach Brooks is like, Hey, how are you guys, how are you guys doing? And everybody was just kind of nervous and quiet. And I was like, ah, we're a little bit rusty. Right. So, so he looks at me, he goes, you must be a Ruzioni. <laughs> he was always a little bit rusty. Right? So, cool. so like clearly knew, you know, so later I, I go out to him like, Hey coach, I'm Patty Dempsey. I'm, you know, and he, and he shook my hand. He's like, I know, I know who you are, Patty. And I was like, <laughs> and that was like a moment where I was like, Oh man, what's going on here? That's so cool. <laughs> so, so we we've kind of focused a lot about the the American side of the uh, movie, but obviously the the big climax of the story is when you play Russia, USSR, formerly. Um, so, what were the actors on that side like? Because when you watch the movie, they they clearly look like they have you know European descent. There's language barriers and stuff. They have the accent. So what what was working with them like? Were they actually like authentically Russian? Awesome guys. Yeah, <laughs> they were awesome. It was uh, it was so fun that Sasha Lakovic played you know the captain. Uh, who's that? Mikhailov from uh, is that who it is? Sounds right. We'll roll with it. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, that might be the coach. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. How am I doing this? Anyways, so Sasha Lackey, you got it right. Played, I believe he. Played, yeah, he played in the in the NHL, I believe, but he played in minor leagues, and his nickname was the Pitbull. If that gives you any idea, uh, so you can go hit YouTube and watch some Sasha the Pitbull Lakovic uh, fights. What an animal. Really? <laughs> that guy was unbelievable. Yeah, he just, he was perfect for it. He just had that face, you know, and, and, uh, but they were great, great guys. A lot of them played in the NHL. A lot of them played in the AHL in juniors and, and they were all really talented players. And it was funny. So the casting, if you look at it, a lot of those guys are massive and they, they did that for a reason, dude, you know, to, 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 you know, show it as a David and Goliath when we're on the ice with them they wanted them to be physically a lot bigger than we were so yeah great guys it's so funny we have tons of pictures from behind the scenes we're all on the ice hanging out together we're in the locker room hanging out together we're 
at a bar in, in Vancouver hanging out together. It was really fun. What was harder to shoot for you? Was it like acting scenes that were on the ice or stuff that was off the ice? Honestly, I think for me, what was harder was stuff on the ice. And I'm not saying that because I was a great actor, <laughs> but it was like a much more level playing field for me as, as a newbie actor with everybody else who was pretty much a newbie actor. And when we got on the ice, I had some like pivotal things that I had to get done that um, just not having the skill level that a lot of the guys had, I, I, I got a lot more stressed out about them than I did any of the acting scenes. Uh, I kind of want to shift away from the the movie for a second. So do you do you keep up to date with the league now? I mean, are you a Bruins fan or you, do you stay in touch with the game? So I am, I'm a Bruins fan. I've lived in Los Angeles for 18 years, so I pay attention to the Kings. But I truly have no idea what's going on this season because I've been working in Georgia since August. Mm -hmm. And when you do 75 to 80 hour weeks for six months, everything else in the world just seems to fade away. Yeah. Are you able to touch on what you're working on or is that like top secret at the moment? Yeah, no, I can, I can tell you about it. So I mainly work, I do acting work when it comes up, but I work as a sculptor movie business. Oh. Uh, what, whatever they need sculpted, I can make it. Uh, I just finished uh, in the fall. I did hear a movie called Red Notice that's coming to Netflix with The Rock. And I, you know, we sculpted a whole bunch of things. Among, amongst that was four 14 foot pharaohs, like replicas of yeah. these pharaoh statues. Uh, right now, I'm actually working on another movie with The Rock. It seems everything I work on now is has The Rock in it because it's all, you know. Two underground tombs and adventure things and you know it's like action adventure so uh i'm working on um black adam right now which is a new dc movie starring the rock nice i just this is completely unrelated but i actually just learned like a week ago he's like the uh richest actor in the world he's the biggest movie star in the world yeah <laughs> yeah it was big i just didn't realize it was to that magnitude so that crazy yeah so it's you know it, that's what i mean every it seems like everything i've worked on in the last few years is because of the rock which thank you rock <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have a favorite actor or actress that you kind of uh strive to be like or that you looked up to when you were younger you know as someone who was never uh even paid attention to it I, I really didn't as a kid but you know a, as someone who has learned the craft of acting um I just I love Paul Newman well uh, you know since I began and probably because of Slapshot you know it's hard not to like so him. I mean I, the can, guy's a legend can, can I give you a story about Slapshot yeah oh, for sure yes so I did for many years so before I got into sculpting as, uh, as I was building my career as a sculptor, it was in between jobs, I would uh, renovate homes, right? 
So I was building homes in the Hollywood Hills. I was working for a couple different contractors. And one day I'm, I'm with, with a friend of mine who's a contractor. We're tearing apart this deck and reframing a deck over a garage, right? And so this neighbor comes by and he's like, hey guys, what you up to? Like totally talkative, outgoing neighbor who clearly has time on his hands, like pops in. And, um, and so I, I was like, all right. Yeah. I'm like, we're just, you know, we're going to frame this up and blah, blah. He's like, Oh, cool. And you're super chatty. So, and I'm looking at him I'm like, what's your name? He's like, Jerry. I was like, Hey, Jerry. And I was like, Jerry, were you Dave killer Carlson and Slapshot? No way. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Right. And he's like, yeah, it was. Was, <laughs> most people will never like, because he's had a 40, your career if not a 50-year career you know right. he's like it true hockey fan who picks me out from you know being killer carlson yeah right that was like a great day for me that's incredible <laughs> that's so awesome yeah uh i gotta put you on the spot favorite movie my favorite movie is beautiful girls Ooh, okay you ever oh. seen it I have not. I'm it's like, a, I'm, I'm so behind the times with movies. I, I, I'm not like a big, like movie TV guy, but. It was, I believe it was released in 96 or 97. It's a, uh, it was an independent film uh, directed by Ted Demi, who uh, it was picked up and released by Miramax. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this great little indie movie about a guy uh, from small town Massachusetts who goes home for his 10 year high school reunion and catches up with his buddies. And it's just like a small little indie film that I love. What are your thoughts on uh, 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 Ted, the movie Ted? Is it funny to you or no? <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Okay, you know, it's funny to me because I left because I left and I don't, I don't speak like that no more. Okay. So I had to ask. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah <laughs> the um the scene and i think it's the second one when they sneak into brady's room to uh extract the specimen from him and he picks up the bit of the bear and throws it like a football is it's all time great right yeah so i'm assuming that means you're a, you're a pats fan then so when brady wins one in tampa what's the feeling there gotta be happy for him right i respect I mean, it yeah, I, I got, yeah, it's like, how, how can, at this point, it's, what, I can't say anything. Right. Right? Yeah, you can't. I, like, yeah, what do I, I can't, if I was hating on that, I would, it just, you can't. I feel that. I don't think so. Nick, uh, you got any more questions? So you, uh, earlier you referenced how, when you were casting uh, the movie, they didn't want the actors to be recognizable, uh, you know, to sort of add to the um, the mystique of the film. If they were to cast this movie again, let's say they do it now, and they were going to use NHL players, who do you see currently playing in the league playing as Micah Ruzioni? <laughs> what a question. Oh, my God. How about... <laughs> to think about who would this be um 
the three of us came up with a list of like a couple people who we think would be good for the roles. So I'm interested oh to hear what God. you have to say. Um, oh my gosh. I have no idea. I, I said TJ Oshi. He's a righty. He is a righty. That's true. He's also like an American <laughs> American hero because of that shootout. Right. So I feel like that kind of fits. Um, you know, Zach Parisi. It's a good one. I like that too. Nick, do you remember who we had him as in our list? We had him as Neil Broughton, I think. Okay. Neil Broughton. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. I thought Torts would be great as Herb. <laughs> yeah. That makes that's a sh- that's a shoe in. That's that's just a given. Yeah. <laughs> but uh Mac, are you, do you have any last final questions? I think the only other thing I, I was kind of curious about, I mean, this may not be a super great question, but um I'm curious kind of what your thoughts about um, you know, the 1980 US Olympic hockey team was prior to being in the film. You know, obviously you're a hockey player. Um, but you know, we're only what, two years old when it happened. So it's not like you probably have a memory of watching it or anything, but was it something that, you know, was already really special to you or kind of grew on you once you were in the movie? Talk, talk a little bit about that if you could. Right. So how, how old are you? I'm 22. You're 22. Okay. So for you, Miracle's 17 years old. Right. So for you, you grew up with a movie that told you the story. Right. I didn't have that. Um, You know, we we knew of it happening. I had never seen game. I don't know if you've watched the original game footage. It's horrible. It's terrible to watch. It's (laughs) the the ice is like blue. Right. Yeah, it's blue. It's terrible. So, I mean, I never. I had heard about it from my dad, just growing up in the area. You know, we, you heard of the legend of the, of the team, but uh, the a generation, you know, younger than me, you guys, you grew up, you know, being able, being like fed, you know, fed the story through a movie, which is, which puts it into a whole other realm of legend. Yeah, it's you're been right. Like you know, all of them have been, we, I didn't have that. I just had, oh, yeah, the miracle on ice. You yeah. Know? It was amazing. It was amazing. That's what we were told. Right. And I think you kind of uh, hit the hammer on the nail there, Our, especially for people even younger than us now. That movie pretty much tells the, the whole story. People recite, you know, funny quotes like, I'll take you, I'll take your test for you. Like, that's infamous. Like, it's kind of, <laughs> kind of like coincides good word by me um with the yeah. movie so uh I, I, yeah I think it, you're very right yeah it, it's it for me on this end of it i've seen now an entire group of people who love this movie who are now old enough to have children right the people that were younger than me who <clears throat> love this movie who now have kids of their own and are, are sharing the movie with their kids. So it's like, it's funny, it had like this core audience that, that we knew about. And it's just like, it seems like it's exponentially growing 
Um, and it, you know, my wife is an, is an actress. She's been in the business for 25 years and she's like, I'll, I've never had a project like that. She's been a working actress for 25 years. <laughs> and she's like, I'll never, she's like, you may never have something like that again. It's, it's just so uncommon to have a film like that, that continues to grow, that people continually watch. What was the reception, you know, sort of after it debuted and came out for you? Like, was it just sort of like, you know, night and day, like, you know, um, like your, your phone's blowing up, your email's blowing up, what have you? Yeah. I mean, think, imagine this, this is, I think for me, it, it was my life and I, and I lived every day of it, you know? Um, but for my family and friends, it was like, at times, like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> you know, it's like um, my parents like went to a, you know, first class airfare to a Hollywood premiere. Right. <laughs> like it was, you know, Muhammad Ali was there. Yeah. It was like, you know, like Wayne Gretzky, Muhammad Ali. Like it, it was like, holy crap. Um, yeah, it was uh, you know, for me, it, it became my life. So it didn't really, I, I mean, I, I will be honest. It was when something like that happens, it's my entire life no longer existed the way I knew. It. Um, and along with that comes a massive amount of anxiety. Sure. Um, and I'm, I'm not generally an anxious person. I'm like, I'm like pretty mellow. I was, it was like the stress level because I, you know, I was being asked to try to recreate my success already in auditions when I still didn't even know what I was doing. I, for me, you know, for a lot of us, it was like, and, and, I'm friends with the casting directors at Disney and they were like, we kind of knew it was a recipe for disaster for a lot of you guys. <laughs> like there, I'll tell you the 10 years after miracle, I was like, man, I was as broke as anyone I've ever met. I mean, living in a crappy apartment in LA with cockroaches and, but you name it, <laughs> like, I couldn't buy a job, you know? And it, it was, it was a really strange situation because on one hand you are a massive inspiration and a hero to a certain segment of the population right and i literally didn't even have a like 35 cents at points <laughs> you know what i mean it was like it, it's a it's like it really can mess with your head the um illusion of you know what what it is to be a performer or, or what it is to work in in the movie business sure absolutely but okay. and this isn't to not looking for any pity i wanted the adventure i was like right. ready for the adventure it was gonna throw at me like it was it was so cool to to do all that and go through that and like fight through that and say no this is what i want to do no matter what this is what i'm gonna do this is not going to discourage me. None of this is going to make me go away. Uh, and I love that because that's the spirit of Mike Ruzioni. And it's like, and yeah. I go, 
that's why I was in there. <laughs> there you go. Amen. That's awesome. That's Thanks why... for sharing that with us. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great story. I mean, I, I, I would, I can speak for myself, but I wouldn't have guessed that. So, um, you know, it's it's good to see that you're 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 back on. So, um, yeah, great ride, and the story's just getting better. There you Amen. go. Far. Amen. <laughs> uh, well, we don't want to keep you too long. You know, we know you're busy, um, but we we really do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I think this is going to be huge for us, and our fan base is definitely going to be uh riled up for this one so that'll be fun well i appreciate you guys having me on thank you so much big thanks to patty for sitting down with us and talking to us that one was so cool uh just the stories that he had and you know talking about you know working with kurt russell and you know what it was like to be on set for all of that and that just i feel like that had to be like the most fun movie set of all time uh Sounds like it was guys, just so cool. It sounds like guys being dudes, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the good stuff. And yeah, it was definitely cool to get, you know, a different type of uh, interview on this pod and hear kind of, you know, the other side of things. Definitely yeah. a little something different. I also, like you were saying, I liked when he was talking about how, uh, you know, they felt like they were getting babysat by like the set directors and stuff. Cause it was just a bunch of guys love playing hockey and we're excited. It was literally just set. a hockey team. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and we have some gambling stuff to get to before we get into our March Madness talk. But before we do that, we just want to remind everyone that these picks and these gambling tips are brought to you by the Maryland Mortgage Wiz. Are you planning on buying your first home this year? Get pre-approved and explore all financing options with Dave Fritz, the Mortgage Wiz. Interest rates are at a historic low and Dow payment assistance available programs are available. Stop running and put your money in a place you can call home. Follow Dave on Instagram at Maryland underscore mortgage underscore whiz for more information. Dave is licensed in Mello, Maryland, Delaware, and Florida. Equal housing lender, NMLS number 3094. You almost said Mellowware. I been, did. That would have been pretty funny. Yeah, that's like that beach area, you know, Mellowware. <laughs> Speaking of Dave, he, uh, he, he's he got a nice little uh, roller hockey court right next to his new brand new home that he just purchased. So congrats oh, yeah? to him. Yeah, nice. we'll have to... Well, I won't leak where that is uh, for for his privacy concerns, but if he gives me consent, then uh, that's going to be definitely one of the places we try to play over the summer. We're not responsible for broken windows. I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) No, Thompson Creek needs to sponsor us. (laughs) Thompson (laughs) Creek. That was a good one. Uh, All right, trends. What have you guys liked from this past week? Hit me. Um, I'll start. Panthers overs money. It just, it doesn't fail. Um, they had a couple good tilts this past week. They're putting up pretty much four to six goals a game in their last five. So I would definitely keep an eye on that. And they just keep continuing to win. Uh, so maybe you could even put Panthers money line in there as well. Uh, Ottawa, Toronto, it's like investing in the most safe stock on earth. And it's going to cash out every single time. Anytime Ottawa plays Toronto, you bet the over. It's, that's all you need to know. Uh, Matthews and Marner have torn them up their entire careers. But even this past week, Ottawa won the game and it still hit. So that is definitely my favorite go-to bet uh, whenever I see it. The Minnesota puck line's also been good. They've hit it twice in a row against Fe- or, uh, not Phoenix, Arizona this week. Hoping that doesn't happen tonight because I did publish on our, uh, on our social that I have Arizona. So we'll see how that works. Weird stat, 
something to keep track of though the penguins are undefeated in their black uniforms this season so uh if you find out that they're home maybe like peep the twitter you know two hours in advance make sure they're not wearing that mustard garbage and if they aren't then throw a couple bucks on them and so far this season the favored team has won 64 percent of the games played just a quirky little stat i found online that i was kind of fishing for so it's something to keep in mind 64 percent of the time if you're betting the favorite they're probably going to win yeah i don't hate that at all yeah uh, one thing I was kind of paying attention to, and we started uh, started talking about it last episode too, but um, this is a cool season for betting in that lots of teams play back-to-backs or even three, four times in a row like we were talking about. And it's getting to the point, I mean, we're about halfway through the season now, but it's getting to the point where if you have the NHL app, you can go on there and click on, for example, Caps Islanders tonight. And before the game has started, it'll show you the score of every single game that they've played against each other so far this season. And I mean, what's awesome about the NHL and one of my favorite things about hockey in general is that any team can beat any team on any given night. It's not like the NBA where you know exactly who's going to win if, if a certain matchup is happening. But I don't know, you can kind of look at these matchups and say, all right, well, this team has won all three games so far. They're not super, you know, we're not talking about Buffalo and the Islanders here. We're talking about two comparable teams. You can kind of go with the trend that way and try to figure out who's going to win based on recent matchups or like Harry's pick tonight with the Yotes. I mean, if you see a team get beat two games in a row by the same team and then they play a third night, there's a pretty good chance they're going to find a way to win that one. So I like looking at trends like that. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if you could look at the Nashville Tampa game last night on uh, March 15th, Nashville fucked them up. And it's because the game prior Tampa, you know, had its way with them and they had had their way with them for the previous like two meetings, I think. So uh, if you would have thrown a little dough on Nashville, I think they were like plus 230 on the money line. That's perfect. I mean, that's that's what you kind of want. Uh, and I know RA on Chicklets has been saying that the price tags for the Winnipeg Jets have been phenomenal. They're definitely one team that you want to uh, keep your eye on the money line for. And that's who I've been looking at lately because they sneakily slid their way into second place in that North division. Yeah, they look good. And they were down at the bottom for a little while. They so, owe a lot of that to Connor Hellebuck. He's looked yes. really good this season. Yeah. One of the um, – when I was looking at this last night, and I didn't bet it, and I wish I did, uh, one of the players that I love – goal prop bets for that you can get at a reasonable price like you bet Ovechkin Matthews McDavid whatever you're you know to for them to get a goal it's like you know maybe minus 110 or something it's not worth it Kyle Connor yeah very good good one one. he's he's in that plus like 170 to 230 range depending who they're playing and he's got 14 tallies on the year so far so he's I mean Matthews is leading the league with 21 so that gives you an idea some perspective that's a good one. Ehlers is good too. It's just so hot or cold. You just yeah. never know what you're going to get. Yeah. He's had a pretty good year too. Yeah. Um, first liner, fourth liner. Yeah. Uh, I'll go first. My first liner is going to be Vitek Vanacek. Finally got his first career shutout. He's been shouldering the load for the caps this year and looks great. Looked great last night against the Sabres. So hats off to him. My fourth liner is not a player. It's a coach. It's Ralph Kruger because I don't think this guy is going to have a job much longer after this episode is released. So I don't know what is going on in Buffalo, but it's, it's not good. And something's going to change pretty soon. 
Yeah, I, I feel bad. I mean, it's his first season there, I think, right? So how much did they really expect? I know it wasn't this, but how much could they really expect? Depends if Eichel likes him, I think. I think, I don't know. I don't know what to think, actually. I'm going to stop rambling on that. Uh, my first liner is going to be Tristan Jari. He's largely the reason that the Penguins have soared up the standings in most people's power rankings. He's won four straight starts, and he's won six of his last seven. His save percentage in his last three has been a 950, so not bad company to be in. He was largely the reason that we were able to hold off the Bruins uh, last night, so he's looked fantastic. Pittsburgh finally you know, has a goalie, it feels like, so uh, if he can stay hot, look out this team. I can't believe I'm saying this because I had no confidence coming into the year, but the Penguins could make some serious noise if he can keep this up. And then my fourth liner across the state, Carter Hart. Uh, he has not looked good, and Philly has been drowning lately in the standings. Uh, in his last five games, he's one and four, and he has allowed 17 goals total in that five-game span, and his average save percentage in that span is an 801. So he, I think he said in one of the post-game interviews recently that he just wasn't feeling himself, um, you know, not not really any rhyme or reason to it. He just says he had to, hasn't felt his best. So he's definitely going to have to turn it around if Philly's going to keep uh, making some noise. And I have some interesting stats on Philly that I'll uh, clue you guys in on in the market report coming here shortly. Yeah, you talk about uh, earlier mentioned the Boston Bruins are getting a little bit desperate. I think the Flyers are getting a little bit desperate too. And both of those teams are getting desperate specifically because they're having goaltending issues, right? I mean, Boston is missing Rask for now. And uh, I don't know what to say about the goaltending situation for Philly because they've got two excellent goaltenders and neither one of them looks like themselves right now. So, yeah, yeah, we'll get to more of that in a bit. My first – Oh, Matt, yeah. before you do your first liner, I just want you to know that this really pains my soul. That oh, I know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna actually touch on that as well. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, my first liner is none other than Daniel Sprong um, for the Washington Capitals. He has uh, been really fun to watch. I think he's definitely had a few moments where I'm like, that was a bad play in our own zone. Like he's had multiple moments where I can specifically see him like turning the puck over. So I don't want to say his game's been perfect, but his offensive upside has kind of made up for it. Um, I should have pulled the stats, but he's got like, what, six goals on the season now. Yep. Um, I think he's got like a four-game point streak going or something like that. Um, my favorite thing here is what Harry just said. I saw at the very beginning of the season on Twitter, um, the Caps like account posting like the lineup for whatever game was that day. And at the bottom, it said like healthy scratches and like Sprong was one of them. And some Penguins fan commented on that and was like, yeah, unfortunately, I think we all know what you're going to get with Sprong. Like, he's going to have, like, two goals on the season and, like, not do anything. Like, you guys were stupid for even taking him, blah, 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 like, all this stuff. And, I like, I read it and I didn't totally disagree at the time. I was like, yeah, I mean, we'll see, I guess, with this kid. But he's really proved uh, that opinion wrong. And I know there's a lot of Penguins fans like Harry that are seeing him finally strive the guy's only what 23 24 he could still pan out and i think it just goes to show that um some teams can give up on guys too early and it, it also you know it's a it's an environmental thing too maybe he was never going to be good in, in pittsburgh and maybe the the shake up is what he needed so i don't know so sullivan is way too much of a two-way hard for him to work in our lineup i, I watched for his sure. first career game and he got he had like 
you know, a couple stints up in pit and he would jump back and forth. I always thought his hands were good. His speed was good. His shot is insane. When you, when you are on a two-on-one with a Vetchkin and you don't pass, you know that you have some type of shot. That's, his shot is ridiculous. You've got to have big balls to do that too. Yeah, and so the, I'm, I'm kind of happy for him, I, I, I guess. Maybe not. I don't he know. looks like he's having a ton of fun out there too. I mean, he's like pretty much cracking up after that, that goal he scores when he's on the uh, two-on-one with Ovi. He's like laughing his ass off afterwards because he didn't pass the Ovi on a two-on-one. But Harry's right. I mean, when you have a – wicked wrister like that the the shot he had last night that went in he probably uh, i know craig lachlan said it a couple times he could have had a hat trick with how many chances he had against he the rang Sabres. the post a couple times i think mm-hmm. right but the goal he scored was like oh yeah. my god like he put he, it in a teacup yeah. he's definitely got offensive upside and i am happy that he is finding his groove I'm just not happy that it's with the team that it's with so Fair enough. Moving on to former Penguins. Fourth liner for my uh, picks this week is Phil Kessel. Um, You know, he's having an okay year, so I hate to pick on him, but he is a little cold lately. Um, He's got two points in his last eight games with the Yotes. That's good for one goal and one assist. Um, I think he's a veteran in the lineup where he needs to shine more than that, and he needs to be contributing on a nightly basis. So um, I think it's fair to kind of pick on him a little bit here. I think that's fair. I mean, he was brought there to score goals. So I'm so much happier that we have Kapanen now than him. I will just yeah. be honest. Kapanen's so much better. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the market report. I'll get things started. Uh, my up team, Florida. Not much else to say other than the fact that they've won four in a row. They're leading their division. And like Harry mentioned, they're leading the league. They are the number one team in the National Hockey League right now. So hats off to them. My down team is going to be the St. Louis Blues. They're a little bit flat right now. They're still hanging on to that fourth spot, I believe, in the West. Uh, and they are on a four-game skid, so they definitely have to do something, you know, whether that's make a move at the deadline or, you know, do a roster change now. They've got to do something to shake that up. 100%. Uh, for my up team, I am going to have the hometown boys, the Pittsburgh Penguins. They are eight and two in their last 10. They're riding a six game win streak. They're undefeated in black unis. And Evgeny Malkin is looking like he's 27 years old again. So that is a great sign for us. Uh, you know, I do being back is so huge. We had, we were missing him for like months. He is so important to our defensive core. He's like, honestly, I think Marino has the most upside. I think Latang is probably still the best, but as far as just steady Eddie, Tumlin's been perfect. If they could just bring back up Pierre Joseph, I would be very happy with that. Over the past five years as a Caps fan, I can confidently say that Dumlin is probably like, I mean, besides like Crosby, Dumlin is like the one player from the Penguins that I would most want like on my team. Like I, I've always loved his game and you can't underestimate how important he is to that lineup. Yeah. I, I don't think it's any coincidence. And obviously the goaltending has been, been stellar. So Good things for the Pens. They're looking good. And uh, this makes my heart warm. The down team is going to be the Philadelphia Flyers. Here's a stat for you. Since the start of February, they are 3-7-2 against teams that are not named the Buffalo Sabres. Their defense and goaltending, I would say, has been suspect lately. And their two biggest rivals, arguably the Capitals and the Penguins, have had their way with them in recent matchups. Not looking so great for Philly. They currently sit fifth in the division. 
Uh, they have 31 points with 26 games played and Boston is in fourth place with 32 points and 26 games played. I had a drunken discussion over the weekend with my friends and it's really like, who's that one oddball team? Is it Pittsburgh? Is it Boston? Is it Philly? I don't think it's going to be the Caps or the Islanders at this point. Who's that odd team that's going to miss? Someone's missing out. And it's it's just a it's a numbers thing. You know, there's those sort of, what is it? It's like five teams that you could say, like, these are the five that are fighting for these four spots and one team is going to miss it. I honestly don't know who it's going to be at this point. And I think it could be any of them, really. I think at the beginning of the season when we made our predictions, I was really hot on the take that uh, the Bruins would would somehow screw it up and miss because of their too, defense. Yeah. And I, we talked about them missing Chara and Krug and what that was going to do to their decor. And they started out looking like they were going to totally make us look stupid and prove us wrong. But that prediction is not out of the woods at this point. I mean, they have struggled a lot lately. Um, I'll get to that in a moment when I talk about my down team, but um, they definitely could be the team that misses out. I agree. Yeah. I think Mac, you and I, I think we're the ones who were saying that at the the season preview episode. So I think it's going to be Philly. Uh, I just don't think, I, I think Philly is a better team than Boston on paper, but I think that Boston has enough experience, grit, leadership that they're not going to let that happen. They get Tuka back, they'll probably get rolling again, too. Yeah, and I pray to God if it's Pittsburgh, I'm going to end up jumping off a cliff. I mean, right now, we, <laughs> we, we, are, we are very comfortable with the gap that we have between us and Philly right now, and I hope it stays like that. So uh, that's all I got to say. All right, so my trending up team is going to be none other than the New York Islanders. Uh, they've won nine straight. Hopefully that ends tonight with the Caps. Um, I honestly can't say I'm super confident. I'm kind of nervous that game's about to start actually in like yep. two minutes but um anyway they've looked really good and uh even without their captain for a handful of those games too and uh moving forward without him uh down team we just talked about it the bruins they have two wins in their last seven games they got shut out by the rangers and the devils in the same week um i believe that was one to nothing and four to nothing which is just like what are we doing? Also, that Rangers game that they got shut out four to nothing. The previous game, they shut out the Rangers four to nothing. So it's like, what? Like the Bruins just, they're kind of all over the place right now. They haven't looked tight. They definitely need to clean up their game if they don't want to be that odd man out because there's only so much room to uh, go on cold streaks in such a shortened season here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before we toss this off to Corey, because that wraps it up on the hockey part of this episode, uh, just be sure to follow us on Book It Sports. You can download Book It Sports. It's a social media app for sports gamblers. And I would imagine that we might dabble a little bit with it in our college basketball picks. Maybe we'll see. Why not? Can't yeah, hurt. Exactly. So uh, we are going to let Corey... I'll give you guys his latest on the March Madness. And as far as the hockey part, we'll be back with you next week and uh, we'll see you later. All right. It is now my pleasure to welcome on one of my closest friends, uh, professional sports gambling idiot and college basketball <laughs> connoisseur, Mr. Corey Goldstein. Uh, fired up to have you here today, but always good whenever I get to see your smiling face. So, How's it going? What have you been up to lately? Are you as like hard for this tournament as I am? 
Yeah, I've, I've been hard probably since March 2020. So I've been, you know, <laughs> waiting a long time for this. Um, I would say March 11th, 2020 might have been the worst day I've had in the last five years, probably. 100%. And honestly, I, it definitely sounds selfish because I'm talking about college basketball and many people lost their jobs and lives, but I, I love college basketball. This is my life. Yeah. It is. It's the best sporting event out there. And we were robbed of it last year. So I uh, just want to get your thoughts on what we have, you know, on the table for us this year. Who do you like? Who do you not like? Who are some sleepers? And, you know, who's someone that's overrated? Who's someone that's going to falter? Sure. Um, so I think this is going to be one of the more fun years we have because of the effect of COVID. So we've seen throughout the year, especially with gambling, teams that go on COVID pause do not win the next game out of the gate, even three or four after that. So first we'll look at Virginia, like a great, very well coached team, great top to bottom, shoot the ball really well, play really good defense like always. But then they go on this COVID pause for five days, uncertainty. You have no idea what's going to happen. And then you run into a team like Ohio who won four games in four days. And you're like, holy shit, what do I do now? Um, Ohio's a really good team. I actually picked, that's my biggest upset in the first round, Ohio over Virginia. Wow. Um, they have a point guard, Jason Preston, who's going to be an NBA point guard. Um, yeah, super high on, uh, on Ohio. Other than that, I mean, I'm wearing my team. I watch them every night. Um, Gonzaga's the team to beat. Um, it's top to bottom NBA players, literally seven NBA players that play the entire game. Um, I look at the bracket and they gave them a cakewalk because they knew they deserved it last year. And, and here they are this year, they're going to fly this year. So that's usually, I think where, you know, we think Gonzaga or we see Gonzaga, at least I do. It's like, you know, there's been a lot of times where there are one seed coming in and they don't make it past the elite eight or the sweet 16. And they just seem to not have, you know, the gas and the tag. What's different about this team this year that you think is, makes them the shoe in. Yeah, I think it's experience. That's the biggest thing. Um, they have Corey Kispert, who's on the um, AP first team, who's an unbelievable scorer, going to be a great player at the next level. I think of him as like a faster Kevin Love kind of player who also dominated uh, when he was in college. Um, but the big thing about Gonzaga this year is they beat Iowa by 11, who's in their bracket. They beat Kansas by 12, who's also in their bracket. They beat Virginia by 23, who also is in their side of the bracket. So you see all these teams that they've played and it's like, how is this team not going to run through, you know, their corner of the bracket? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious what your thoughts are on Baylor. I hear a lot of people talking about, they might be like one of the, the hottest picks to win it all this year. Uh, do you think they're the real deal or is there like something underneath that not enough people are talking about there? Yeah, I think they're really, really good. Um, depth is definitely the biggest thing in the tournament where you're just playing nonstop. It's a different arena and you have guys that come out cold and you kind of have to have other guys to step up. Um, Baylor's got two NBA guards that start for them, Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell, who are both studs. Um, they bring Matthew Meyer off the bench. Macy O'Keefe, a transfer from UNC Asheville, shoots the lights out. So that team also is another one where you look at their side of the bracket and it's like, you know, they'll play North Carolina, who's been there before probably steamroll a team like that Villanova's weak this year Texas Tech is okay so I think this is um I think that we lost Gonzaga Baylor to COVID early in the year and I think the committee was like if we can really get that matchup again let's put teams in this bracket that they can get through who would you say is your your dark horse in the tournament what you know that 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 money line that's gonna like hit for like two or three games that you can really make some profit off the Loyola Chicago if you will um I think it's going to be St. Bonaventure, actually. I think that's really? the team. Yeah, so the A-10 was really, really good this year. 
they're awesome. Um, they play so the first round they play LSU, who has three NBA guards, so they're gonna have a tough time. Um, but then they play Michigan, who's gonna be without their best player, Isaiah Livers, and I think that is gonna change the whole course of this tournament because, like, Nick and I watch a lot of Big Time basketball. Michigan was the real deal for a long time. I will um, begrudgingly admit that. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I think St. Bonaventure, they score really well. They were like a top five defense in the whole country this year. So the Bonnies are definitely one of my big teams. And I feel bad, Harrison. You texted me the other night, asked me about Georgetown, and I was trying to be practical. I never jump on bandwagons, and I gave you the wrong advice. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it happens. It happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm not the biggest college basketball kind of source, so I apologize. But if I'm not mistaken, isn't one of the matchups that people always look as the 12 v 5? Yeah. Is there a 12 v 5 where you like the where you like the 12? Um I think the first one you really have to look at is Villanova, which is kind of crazy. Um they they weren't great all year and ESPN does this thing where it's like it's Jay Wright. They've been there. They had the magical run where they hit the huge shot. It's like Villanova's been there. They're great. All those Villanova teams had good point guards and Colin Gillespie, who's their starting senior point guard leader out for the entire tournament with the torn MCL. And their backup also um, had an ankle injury during the Big East tournament. Um, Winthrop plays like 11 guys, and they all average almost double-digit double minutes. So it's like, even if you think they're going to come out hot and then kind of slow down, like they have a whole another round of teams. So, yeah, I think Villanova is the scariest one. Um, I th- uh, yeah, I think that's going to be a really good game. I can personally vouch for Villanova choking as I've uh, been fortunate enough to see Marquette beat them in a couple of big games. Um, Corey, I don't know if you know, but I went to Marquette and I'm super bummed, super bummed that they didn't make it this year. I can't say I expected them to after the season they had, but we were a total like just schizophrenic team this year. I mean, we literally, (laughs) we lost to DePaul. We beat UNC. We, we had all kinds of like weird wins and weird losses. So they have one of my favorite players too, DJ Carton from Ohio DJ State. DJ Carton is tough. so fun to watch. And I thought he'd be a great player to watch in the tournament if they somehow found a way to get in. But he'll be yeah. around hopefully for another couple of years with us as long as he doesn't like transfer or some shit. But, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, look, the Big East as a whole wasn't very good this year. It was a hard tournament to win. And I think, I think that's why Georgetown was able to get through because it's like these teams beat each other up all year and all yeah. it takes is like playing well for four days and you can get in. Exactly. As long as uh, the Badgers get knocked out like early on, I won't be too upset. Yeah. So I think one of the unique things about this tournament this year is it's all in one location. Mm-hmm. You look at who's the home team. It's Purdue. What do you, I mean, they come in as a four seed. They're in that same corner of the bracket as Baylor, same as North Carolina, same as Wisconsin, same as Nova, you know, can that team get out of that that section of the bracket or do you think you know home field advantage or home court advantage just isn't enough well i think that's a really good point and i'm just looking back on it indiana college basketball is the best college basketball in the country so these games are going to be so fun to watch teams play in these unbelievable places like hinkle where butler played where hoosiers was filmed um assembly hall where indiana plays and mackie where purdue plays is unbelievable i think purdue can absolutely get through that part of the bracket um, North Texas is a pretty good team they're going to play, but Purdue is the biggest team in the whole tournament. They're really young, um, but I really like them. And look, they're seasoned. Like, playing in the Big Ten is not easy. It's like playing the AFC North where you're just getting beat up all year. Playing in the NFC North, just playing tough teams. And I think that's what makes Big Ten teams have a good chance. So, yeah, Purdue has a dude that's 7'4", like twice the size of Angus. So 
Yeah. I think that's why I could definitely <laughs> see them uh, getting through. <laughs> I don't know where they get these guys. I don't know if there's like some factory in Indiana that they're pulling yeah. them out from, but it's like, it's like, I feel like they've had this same seven, four guy for the last 10 years. Yeah. And if, if, um, if you watch the Maryland-Purdue game that happened a month ago, Maryland's players were literally like little kids trying to climb a tree on the field, getting <laughs> rebounds. It was hysterical. And they pulled out a win, too. Right. So yeah. what, can we, what can we expect from Maryland? Well, I think Nick's point is interesting because Maryland's first game is at Purdue. So it's somewhere they've been before, a place they've played for years. And Turgeon, like, there are dimensions to it. Like, in the tournament, like, when you get later on, you're playing in, like, football stadiums where the depth perception is so different why a lot of guys have a tough time shooting in the NBA. So where guys have seen an arena before, I mean, I, I'd love, obviously, as a homer, like I would love Maryland to go far. Um, UConn is one of my other big sleepers, actually. I think that's a potential Final Four team, actually, out of that. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah, it's a tough draw for Maryland to get UConn in the first round, for sure. Yeah, they do it to us a lot. I, I think Turgeon is someone that isn't loved around the country. Like, he kind of complains a lot. He's not a big, big time. Like, coaches are not a big fan of him. Um, but yeah, UConn's a team that's going to be a tough game, but Maryland can defend with anybody. I actually think they, that, that game, I think it's going to be the best of the whole first round. Got to ask the big boy question. So who's in your final four? All right. So I actually went, so I went to bed pretty early after Sunday, after I watched the show, cause it's exhausting for me just cause like my, you know, you get really excited and you just kind of pass out. So out of the, the West, I have Gonzaga. Bottom right, I have, or bottom left, I have Texas actually coming out. So I have Michigan losing to St. Bonaventure. Um, and then St. Bonaventure getting all the way to the lead eight to play Texas. So I have Texas there. Um, Baylor top right, um, like Max said, like they're a good team. Like they kind of slowed down for a little. They had that quick COVID pause, but they're a really good team. And the other team I have is Houston, who I have beating Illinois in the bottom right. So Gonzaga, Texas, Baylor, and Houston. Illinois has been a tough team to handle all year. Yeah. Uh, they throttled Sparty. Uh, they've, they won the big 10 championship. their first since I believe like 2005. Uh, it, I think it's interesting. You say that they'd have a hard time with Houston, but I think Houston's a, a fantastic team and could absolutely throttle them if they really wanted to. Yeah. Sometimes it takes like that big transfer. It happens in every sport, that one trade, that one transfer that like gets you there. So Houston got this guy, Quentin Grimes from Kansas last year, who was a top 10 recruit plugged himself right in, plays great D. He's a big guard. Like one of the biggest things playing against these small schools is like they may have small guards that score 20 points a game and then they play against these like grown men ready for the NBA. Um, that's why I think Houston is going to be a really, really tough out. And then who you got in your uh, championship game with the score? So I feel like I've talked enough about Houston to not have them in my championship. Um, I have Houston getting there against my boys, Gonzaga. And just for all the fans at home, I've been a Gonzaga homer for a really long time. Um, my brother and I have been watching them for like 20 years, so not a bandwagon fan. Um, I have Gonzaga beating Houston 84-80 in a really high scoring, but really good Wow. Game. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, I think I really am. I, I'm excited about every tournament, but there's so many good players. Like Oklahoma State has that guy, Cade Cunningham, who's going to be the first pick in the NBA draft. Texas has a full team of NBA players. Iowa's got Garzilla. So, yeah, this is, this is going to be a really, really good one. So I've got to ask the selfish question. Um, my Spartans, they're an 11 seed, and they're going to have to do the play-in, which we were just talking about this on the earlier on the episode, how I think it's ridiculous that the 11 seed is the play-in 
yeah just doesn't doesn't make make sense sense. it makes no sense they've got a tough matchup in ucla do you see them being able to get out of that and into the the rest of the bracket i think they're going to have an easy time with ucla um ucla lost one of their best players chris smith so once that happened that team kind of fell off and look it's it's january february as though that's the way it is i mean they put they would play byu the next round it's actually a pretty good team they have one of the big guys from purdue arms the guy that was seven two from a few years ago he transferred over to byu um but I, I think that would be a really good game but look he knows how to get it done that's that's what Izzo does i think aaron henry's a really good player um and i think you know sometimes you just need that one guy that can kind of push you over the hump yeah yeah I think they're just obviously they're missing the point guard. Rocket Watts isn't exactly what, you know, we thought he was going to be in um, the gap left by Cassius Winston. You just can't fill that. Absolutely. Um, I, I usually put out that Facebook post that I have for all those people that don't watch college basketball. Um, just kind of educating. Just it's like late night thoughts that I kind of just post. But having a senior guard or just even a leader guard is one of the biggest things that gets you through this entire tournament. I mean, it's happened every single championship team for the last 20 years has had an unbelievable point there. I'm looking at the odds right now uh, from FanDuel. So obviously Gonzaga's first at minus 210, which sounds insane to say that as someone who's going to win a tournament. seems that's a that's big. (laughs) It's crazy. Uh, and then they got Baylor at second at plus 115, Illinois at third at plus 145, Michigan at 220, and then Iowa at 350, tied with Houston, by the way. I know you're big on them. So is there like a value – like is there a value pick that you see? Like, I mean, obviously Gonzaga is the favorite, but – Yeah, I think Florida State. I think um, before – the year before the tournament, Florida State was flying. They got all the way to the Elite Eight, I think, mm-hmm. and they were playing so well. They actually beat Gonzaga that year. Um that was like their first big test in Florida State one. Um, Leonard Hamilton's a really good coach. They're well-rounded. They always have these freak athletes. They're long. Um, like I said, it's something that a lot of these small schools don't see a lot. So when you have this length and this like big boy mentality, um, I think Florida State has a chance to fly. So I'm not sure exactly what their odds are, but Florida State is a great flyer to throw in there. They are at plus 700 tied with, te- tied with Texas. I seriously could not love that more. And then I think, um, I think Oklahoma State is another pick. I mean, we don't usually see freshmen, like, carry teams through since, like, that Kentucky team that had Anthony Davis. But I really, really think that Oklahoma State played tough all year. Their season because of the Big 12. And they won a lot of games down the stretch. So I, I wouldn't be surprised seeing Oklahoma State making a run. They're at plus 600. So, yeah, yeah. those are good value picks. Yeah, I like those two a lot. That's solid. Yeah. Just a, just a quick to the point, give the people what they want. The amount of energy that you get off of talking about this is contagious <laughs> and incredible. So keep it up. Uh, I'll be Thank looking. You. Are you going to do that Facebook post again this year? Yeah, probably tomorrow night. Um, I wasn't in grad school the other time, so I have no time to myself, but this is like my first night to like dig in, block out everybody and kind of like start to take a look. Um, but yeah, this is going to be an awesome tournament. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for you guys to share it with me. Yeah. Pumped. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, we, we appreciate you uh, joining us and good luck gambling for the next month. Yeah, you too. Um, I think I'll give you guys one quick game that I think is going to be easy to bet. Get a lock. I think, I think UNC is going to kill Wisconsin in the first round. I think Wisconsin's dead and we're going to get something small. I don't remember exactly what my 
number is there, but if you can get something really small, like before it kind of creeps up a little, I think UNC is the pick there. Hell yeah, I'd love to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Good shit. Yep. All right, well, we appreciate it. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, bud. Talk to you later.